to do something for about three minutes. And I hope you put aside all gentility, except where you have a medical challenge, a health challenge. Then you can go in slow. The last song presiding at that race ushers us into the word this morning. And when I raise the topic we are going to speak about, you will understand what I'm saying. I know that as individuals, sometimes I'm not in your homes anyway. Sometimes when we pray, we go on our knees. Sometimes. I know some of you will be sleeping in your beds while sleeping, uh, sorry, while praying. Others will be sitting down while praying. But we've been told by scripture that at the mention of the name of the Lord, every knee will do what? So we are going to bow before the Lord in his presence this morning. If you cannot bow on your knees, that is your own problem. If you not, cannot go on your knees, as I said, if it's a medical condition or because your dress is too short, and if you go on your knees, you are going to expose certain things. That one, I allow you. But you must bow on your knees in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind. So, collectively, Elders, I plead with you. Let's go on our knees. Jehovah, new dicasin, of God. What is the image of Christ that you have? And that image must have a face. That image must have a face. Whether it's Jehovah God, whether it's Christ, whether it's the Holy Spirit, I want you to look in the face of that image. Spiritually look into the face of that image. If it is Jehovah God, look into his face, eyeball to eyeball. I want you to look into the face of the living God. Eyeball to eyeball, eyeball to eyeball, eyeball to eyeball. And I want you to look into the face of Christ. Have you gotten the image of Christ before you? And are you looking at his face? 
The eyes are the windows to the soul. The eyes are the windows to the soul. So as you look the Lord in the face, eyeball to eyeball, he is looking into your soul. He is looking into your soul. You've opened the window for him to look into your soul. Through your eyes. Through your eyes. Through your eyes. Through your eyes. Do not close your eyes to the Lord. Do not close your eyes to the Lord. Let him see what is within you. What is within you is what will make you great outside. What is within you is what will lift you on high. What is within you is what you are going to account for when the day of reckoning comes. So open that eyes. Open that spiritual eyes. And let the Lord look into you. We want you to live today with all those things hidden in the spirit. We should not be there to have been expunged, to have been removed. Now say something to the Lord. Open up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm looking you in the face right now. And I want you to take control of my life. And more importantly, everything that is within me. What is outside is seen by men. But what is within me is seen by only you. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And make me a whole again. That is the Lord we are talking to. It is the Lord we are speaking to. It is the Lord we are dialoguing with. As you gently rise, continue singing the song. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be our portion this morning. Some time ago, I was meditating, and this popular hymn, which I know all of us know how to sing, dropped into my spirit. So I took my time to read through the verses, and I want to premise my message on this song. It is titled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. That is not my message title anyway. Just get yourselves 
well composed and you'll get the title very soon. This is a hymn written by a gentleman when he had parted with his mother. While he was in Canada, the mother was in Ireland. And he decided to remember the mother. And therefore, he wrote a poem. So what a friend we have in Jesus started as a poem. Then later on, another man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit transformed this poem into a hymn. He says, what a friend we have in Jesus. But the portion which captured my attention most is what I'm going to read to you now. He says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. The peace that you need to be able to survive on this earth. The pains that you go through when you are disappointed one way or the other. The pain that you go through when your finances have gone down. The pain that you go through when your very close friend disappoints you. There are several forms of pain that we go through. We need the peace to be able to overcome this pain. But the hymn is, is telling us that, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We go through this pain, we lose the peace that we need because we do not carry our concerns to the Lord in prayer. Someone will say, but we come to church and we pray. A short while ago, we had the opening prayer, we had the worship, the elder led us to kneel down and pray. Is that all about when we talk of prayer? Is that it? There is more to it than that. There is more to it. It says all because we do not carry our concerns, our pains, our disappointments, our desires. We do not carry these to the Lord in prayer. So what are we doing then? Why do we continue to be disappointed? Why do we continue to go through pain? Why do we continue to be Christians as we are? And we say all the wealth of this world belongs to God. And if we are indeed his children and we are heirs to the throne, why are we poor? Why are we finding it difficult even to have a square meal in a day? Is it really true that because we don't carry all these to the Lord in prayer, we do. We do. But what could be the cause? There could be several reasons. And I think by now, your Christian upbringing has told you that whatever question you ask God, there are three answers. Yes, no, wait, or I'm about to do it. So, you don't jump into conclusions when the answers have not come yet. Don't jump into conclusions. Because you are likely 
to be fed on the choices of food, probably in the last years of your life. You are likely to get out of that pain a few years to the end of your life. You don't know what the Lord is doing. But the question that I would want us to answer today is, do you inquire of the Lord? Do you inquire of the Lord? So the theme that I'm going to speak on this morning is, inquire of the Lord. Or another way of saying it, ask the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. There are several texts in the Bible which talks about this theme. Inquire about the Lord. There have been instances in the past when some people did not inquire of the Lord, they undertook a journey and it ended in disaster. There have been instances in the Bible where some inquired of the Lord. In one breath, he told him, go ahead. We'll be making reference to that in what David went through. And shortly thereafter, he said, wait, do not go. So you see, the Lord we serve speaks. And if you do the inquiry very well, he is ready to speak to you and speak into your life. Inquire of the Lord. Ask the Lord. Shall we take our first text? It is from 2 Samuel chapter 5, from verse 17 to 23. While he projects it, I want to plead with you that because of the time at our disposal, when we are given the opportunity to preach, we cannot read the entire text. So we pick the relevant portions, and it is for you when you go back, read several chapters or verses before the text we've given you and those after. And you will get a comprehensive understanding of what the text is saying. This is just for the sake of the time at our disposal. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 5 from verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephim. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Do you inquire of the Lord? Do you inquire of the Lord? I say inquire of the Lord. Here is David, the one who has been anointed by God and he's been chosen right from the day when he was a youth. So he knew the God he was serving. He knew him. He had worked with him several years and therefore he could take things for granted just as some of us sometimes take things for granted when we are moving into a new job, when we are moving into a new home, when we are traveling, do we inquire of God? 
what the way will look like. What will be the way forward? What should we do on the path? Or do we just pick our bags and then move in without inquiring of the Lord? What did David do? David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Don't forget. When he was very young, a teenager, he was able to use the sling and the stone to kill Goliath, a giant of the Philistine world at that time. He could have used that experience. That is where some of us falter. Because probably the home we came from, we have been built on the foundation of Christ. Our parents have been elders. Our parents have been pastors. Or they've been devout Christians all over the years. So we are basking in that glory. And then we want to move with that. But David is teaching us a lesson over here. That in spite of his past. And in spite of what the God, the Lord, the mighty one had used him. He still went ahead to inquire of the Lord. What do I do in the circumstance? That is why when we went on our knees, I said, open your eyes in the spirit, look in the eyes of Christ. Let him see what is in you. Because what is in you is the true reflection, not the camouflage that the physical body gives to us or shows to the outside world. What the physical body does is more of a camouflage. The real is in you. The real. Hallelujah. The real thing is in you. So this is a manifestation of someone who has imbibed scripture. He has imbibed the Lord's direction. He understands what the Lord wants him to do. So he didn't just jump with hindsight, with the experience. Let me go for another sling. Let me go for another stone and probably call 10, 15 of my people. Because when I was a young man, I used a sling and a stone to be able to conquer even the giant who is over 10 or 11 feet tall. So let's go. He didn't do that. He inquired of the Lord. And listen, the Lord answered him. And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So the story goes on. So David came to Baal Perazim and defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore he named the place Baal Perazim. They abandoned their idols there, so David and his men carried them away. But let's look at the 22. Now, the Philistines came once again. So, you will realize that the enemy will not come to you once and then go back and that is it. He will not do that. That is why your inquiry of the Lord must be constant. It should not be a one-shot thing. Hit and run. Not that kind of Christianity that we are looking for. We are looking for the one who continually, even as we step out of this auditorium, 
and you are about to enter your car, it is good that you inquire of the Lord. The inquiry could be in the form of a short prayer. Lord, I'm about to move. I pray that you send me home. I trust that you will do this in the name of Jesus. Then you move out. So David, when they came again, not too long after the earlier directive, when David inquired of the Lord this time, he said, you shall not directly, sorry, you shall not go directly up. Look at, within a short period of time, in the same chapter. So it wasn't something which elapsed. So you can see from what my argument that if we desire to always be in the presence of the Lord, the best thing is to always inquire of him. We don't come to church on Sunday after the presiding elder has given a very wonderful message, after one of the elders has been given the opportunity, a brother, a deacon, and then you pray your hearts out. Then you go out. And then that is it until another Sunday. David is teaching us a lesson over here that no matter the situation, no matter how short it is between one event and the other, one episode and the other, always inquire of the Lord. That is what he wants from us. He wants us to continue to inquire of him because when we relegate him into the background, let us not blame anybody. Because the Lord our God is dealing with thousands and indeed billions of people. Though he is so many potent and he is so many presence, omniscient, he knows everybody at any point in time. But I believe that those who continually inquire of him, he is ready to answer them. Hallelujah. My brothers, my sisters in the Lord, the journey that you and I have embarked on as Christians it is simple and it is complex. It is both simple and complex. Simple in the fact that when you obey his rules, his laws, his directives, you flow just like that. Whatever comes your way, there is something at your disposal which you can fall on and be able to overcome the problem. So it makes it simple. It is complex because sometimes to be able to absorb this, it, may, it needs some effort. You need some effort to be able to flow in it. I think I've said for once that just look at a child who is growing, learning how to eat. When she picks a muzzle of food, you realize sometimes it will touch the lips, sometimes it will touch here, sometimes on the nose, sometimes under the chin. You see those things. That is the formative years. So if you are a Christian in the formative years and these things are happening, don't be worried because it's a formative stage in life. But as you grow, you are 20 years in the church, you are 30 years in the church, you were born in it. When you begin to take a muzzle of food as an adult and you go and put it in your ears, or you take a muzzle of food and it lands on your forehead, then there is something wrong with you. There is something wrong with you. So our spiritual life needs to be developed each passing day. It is very important. And that is when 
you come into the presence of the omnipotent God and ask him. When I was reading Habakkuk, so the, when you go home, just look at Habakkuk chapter 1 and then chapter 2. There was an interesting dialogue, dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord. He asked probing questions. He asked probing questions about, so do we have them there? Just take Habakkuk. Let me quickly show an example. Habakkuk chapter 1 and then chapter 2, but we'll look at chapter 1. Quickly, quickly. Habakkuk. Are they there? If they are not there, let me go ahead. Okay. So when you go, you will see that Habakkuk asks certain questions. And while reading it, something came into my mind. What came into my mind was that, was Habakkuk being rude? Was Habakkuk trying to show that I, as a man, can I challenge the authority of God? Was Habakkuk trying to test God? I didn't see it that way. I saw the childlike attitude, not the childish attitude. Get the difference between childlike attitude and childish attitude. A childlike attitude is you behave like a child. You behave like a Positively, not negatively, like a child. Take those of you who have children and you have sisters. Look at how they ask certain innocent questions. My grandchild will call me, Kappa, come. Kappa, sleep. You see a two and a half year old child. And sometimes, Kappa, weep. So I also do, then she'll be happy, and then we go ahead. Look at a child, childlike. That is, he has assumed the position of a child. Because even scripture also tells us that until those people become like the child on the lap of Christ, they will not enter the kingdom of God. So the childlike attitude opens you up. Children will not hide anything. If it is red, it is red. If it is black, it is black. Not the adult who would want to test your intelligence and therefore will tune the question in such a way. If you get it wrong, that is not what Habakkuk did. Habakkuk actually asked questions and the Lord took his time and answered them. Go back to Habakkuk and read. I'm not going to because of the time. The Lord took his time Every question that Habakkuk asked, the Lord answered them. So when you inquire of the Lord using the childlike attitude, where the Lord himself has seen within you, that this person is asking the question not because of any other consideration, but because he is asking from a genuine heart, the answer will definitely come. Praise the Lord. Christ, in John chapter 16, from verse 23 to 24, also reiterates this point of inquiring from the Lord. He reiterates it. And what does he say? In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Please, don't misquote this scripture by saying, you are a Christian and you don't ask anything. No. He's going beyond the superficial asking. Sometimes we ask, Amen. What type of asking is this? If you ask me a question like this, even a human being, I know God is all merciful. Probably he knows the thoughts before, behind your asking. So you shouldn't have a problem. But I believe that as we mature spiritually, the Lord expects us to mature even in the way we ask him questions. We shall show maturity in the way we ask the Lord questions. Because that is when you are on the same plane with him. I'm not saying that you can be equal with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in any way. That is not possible. But when you assume the position that he wants to elevate you to, his eyeball and your eyeball are on the same level. As against a child who is less than two years old, on about two, two feet, two and a half feet tall, one meter tall, and then you are about five feet tall, you see that the child raises his head, you have to look down before your eyes meet. But when you develop spiritually, you'll be on the same spiritual plane with the Lord. And therefore, when you look into his eyes, he looks into your eyes, he's able to let you into the deeper things of life, the deeper things of the spiritual world. That is why when the Lord taught us how to pray, he said, let your will be done on earth. How do you know the will of God? How do you know it? Yes, he is very faithful, he is honest, he is loving, he can thrust this on you. But you understand, education is, if teaching and learning are to be successful, there must be a good teacher and a good learner. Symbiotic relations. A good teacher and a good learner will give you good results. If I'm a good teacher and you are a bad learner, the results will be bad. Unless, of course, there are other interventions. If you are a good learner and I'm a bad teacher, the results will be bad. Unless there are other interventions. And sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us that intervention. Praise the Lord. So, earlier on, Jesus had made a profound statement in that same chapter, John 16, from 13 to 15. And that is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. He is saying that, but when he, the Son, the Spirit of truth, what about you? which version is that? Okay, but I think you can still follow it. I have something written on my sheet, so let me read that. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take off mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. 
But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but what he hears, he will speak. So, if you are coming into the Lord, presence of the Lord to inquire, and the spirit that the Lord has put on you, and you have imbibed that spirit, you will not go and ask irrelevant questions. Once you start asking relevant questions, he says, what he has put in you, you will not speak on his own initiative. So you will not speak on your own initiative. When you go into the presence of the Lord and you are praying and you are in the spirit, you will realize that whatever you are saying is no longer from you. So the questions you ask, even if, excuse me my language, if it is nonsense, the spirit will shape it. You ship it so that when it comes into the presence of the Lord, he's now the one speaking through you. So the questions will now answer which the Lord has himself prepared you to ask. So if you don't avail yourself of this opportunity, if you don't allow the Lord to lead you, if you don't allow the spirit to touch you, if you don't allow the spirit to touch your tongue, you will be asking irrelevant questions. Even those of you who have been watching social media, whatever the news, the television set, you can identify certain people when they are interviewing. You will realize that these people are interviewing with a lot of sense. There are some, when they interview you, you are not careful, the answer you will give will turn the whole radio station upside down. Because garbage in, garbage out. So the time has come for us to allow the spirit to direct our paths. So that when we go on our knees and we are inquiring of the Lord, like David did. Like David did. Like David did. I pray. Like David did. When the answer is immediate, he will let you know. When you have to wait, he will let you know. Let me just quickly look at something. Sometimes as soon as you start speaking, the, 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 the time just flies like that. I want to touch again on David's attitude and why the Lord was always speaking with him. You all agree with me that David has always been described as a, as a man after God's heart. David, in spite of all the so quote unquote, foolish things that he did, he could go and stand in his balcony, watch a woman bathing, and then the urge in men put him on fire, and he ended up finding a way of killing the husband of that woman. And it didn't end there. He went on to find a way of marrying that woman. In spite of this, so look at your sins. Is your sin any close to any of these things? Ask your friend. Is your sin any close to what David did? Ask him. But David has been told and has been described that he is a man after God's own heart. So for us to be able to inquire of the Lord, 
why David succeeded, I want us to look at some of the things that David did. David did several things. He was faithful to the Lord. Do you remember that? He was faithful to the Lord. And then apart from that, he was very repentant. He was very repentant. There were 10 attributes that I listed, but because the time is almost up, I want to mention just two. David was faithful to the Lord. He was prayerful. Through him, we got many of the Psalms that we now read. But the aspect of David, which sort of enthused me, is his repentant nature. Anytime David did something wrong, sometimes he smeared ash on himself, he tore his clothing, his robes, and then showed remorse. His repentant attitude. How many of us, how many of us, how many of us are repentant when we do certain things against each other or one another? How many of us are repentant when we even fall short through our sinful nature and we go to the Lord in prayer? How many minutes do we spend trying to show repentance, to, 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 to show that we, we, we are not happy with what we've done and that we are asking for repentance. How many of us? David was a master of this. But that doesn't mean that we should go ahead and sin and then come and repent and then go back and sin and come and repent. You are not too sure when in your seconds or third sinful nature, before you could say, Jack, the Lord has arrived, then you are caught in that situation. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this message has other dimensions. There were 10 things that I saw about David which made him strong in the Lord for him to be able to inquire of the Lord for the Lord to answer him. At the appropriate time, we'll look at the other eight and see how we can incorporate this into our spiritual life. Humility, humility. Pride does not take us anywhere. No matter your wealth, no matter your level of education, no matter the boss you've served on, no matter what you are doing, you are the breadwinner of your house, whatever you are saying, I'm saying that when you are humble, David manifested this in spite of his weakness. So I've added the third one, humility. Try as much as possible to Go the way of the Lord. And when you come into his presence and you inquire of him, the right answer that he should give you shall be there for you to use. I pray that the Lord Almighty, who has been our source of strength, will continue to lead us along the line. Shall we be on our feet? The Lord has begun something in your life. That is why you have come under his authority. That is why you have found yourself in his house. Or else, by now, you would have been sitting in a beer bar somewhere, quaffing bottles and bottles of drink. Or you would just be sleeping in the house, 
doing nothing, claiming that you've worked the whole week and you need the rest. So we want to pray. We want to pray. The Lord has told us that he is all ears. He is ready to listen to us. Whatever question we bring to him, whatever our cares we bring to him, he is ready to give you the appropriate answer. Don't twist God's arms to give you the answer you want. Probably that's not the answer he wants for you. But all you need to do is, Jesus Christ said, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. That is what we are expecting of you. So, we are going to pray.